Today on the newscast, Iran tests a new ballistic missile that it says will be used against Israel. Plus, a top UN official says Hamas is not a terrorist group. Israel's former UN ambassador, Danny Danone, is here to break it down. That's next. Folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. We've been laying out for you here in recent days how Israel is fighting on two fronts. Of course, in Gaza against Hamas terrorists. And then there is Lebanon. We believe here in the newscast that a great northern war is looming in which Israel will be forced. It really has no choice at this point, folks, to face off against Hezbollah. Now, the hand behind this the head of the snake is the Iranian regime. Remember, Hamas, Hezbollah, along with Islamic Jihad in Gaza, the Houthis in Yemen, those various Shia militias in Iraq and Syria are recipients of Iranian funding, support, and training. That ring of fire that surrounds Israel on all sides is an Iranian-backed ring of fire. And yet, as all this chaos is unfolding on Israel's borders, the Iranian regime, and this is largely, it seems, in recent months, escaped the world's attention, or perhaps the world just doesn't want to admit what's happening, as the Iranian regime continues to push towards a nuclear weapon, and yes, continues to develop the most robust ballistic missile program in the entire Middle East. Another example of that took place as the Iranian regime tested ballistic missiles that it says, number one, can reach Israel, that have a distance of over 1,000 miles. But secondly, this simulation that these ballistic missiles were used in, this war drill carried out by the Iranian military, simulated a ballistic missile attack on an Israeli air hangar, which would house F-35 fighter jets. Now, folks, it's pretty clear what the Iranian regime is doing here. They're saying in a future conflict with Israel, they will target F-35 fighter jets, American supplied, by the way, that are stored in Israeli hangars. So you see the Iranian regime's intentions here. And folks, it's not just bluster. This is serious. The Iranian regime's apocalyptic ideology, its goal to wipe Israel off the map, guess what? They're actually shaping policy around it. So let's not get lost. In the fog of war here, let's not lose sight of the ultimate driving force, again, behind the chaos, not just in Gaza, Lebanon, but also in Iraq, Syria, Yemen, and beyond, and that is the Iranian regime. Speaking of Iran's nuclear program, I think of the UN, and the UN is supposed to at least be taking steps to prevent a nuclear Iran. That hasn't gone so well, needless to say, nor has the UN's stance on the Israel-Hamas war. Now, Earlier this week here in the newscast, we broke down for you how, look, UN officials, including the UN's point person on the Palestinian territories, Gaza and the West Bank, we call it Judea and Samaria, are rabidly anti-Israel. Now we have the head of the UN's uh, relief agency saying, and I quote in an interview this week, that Hamas is not a terrorist group, and I quote, so I suppose all that butchering and maiming and murdering on October 7th and really for decades before that, the suicide bombings, the terror tunnels, the rockets, the list goes on, that doesn't constitute terrorism 
in the eyes of this UN official. He said, look, it's a political organization, a social organization. It's not a terrorist group. Again, folks, this is a UN official. And I was in Israel last week. I broke it down for you here over the past few days. Many Israelis have called the UN the United Nothing or United Nonsense. And there's some other clever terms we can come up with, but clearly the UN not doing its job when it comes to Iran's nuclear program, when it comes to pushing Hezbollah back from the border in Lebanon and taking an outright hostile uh, stance against Israel as all of this unfolds. So I thought this would be, hey, we're talking Iran, we're talking the UN. I thought this would be the perfect time to sit down with our good friend, Israel's former ambassador to the UN, Danny Danone. He heads up the World Likud. He sits on several important committees in the Israeli Knesset, and he sat down with me in Jerusalem just a few days ago to break down what's happening in the world's most volatile and chaotic region, what comes next, and why it matters to you. Take a look. Ambassador Danone, always great to see you, especially in Jerusalem. Hey, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot going on here in Israel, obviously, but let's start with a place you're very familiar with as Israel's former UN ambassador, the UN, in particular ambassador, UNRWA, this UN agency where it's hard to believe, where literally members, employees of this organization working in Gaza were also working for Hamas. Could you break down a bit more about what UNRWA is doing there and why this organization needs to be held to account? Thank you for having me, Eric, and it's beautiful here in Jerusalem. Yes. You know, for years, I, I called the UN to shut down UNRWA, uh, and I explained why. And now everybody sees why, because they are collaborating with the terrorist organization with Hamas. Let me show you a story. When I was at, at the UN, I got a phone call about an UNRWA employee who was arrested by our security forces for collaborating with Hamas. UN official called me and told me, Danny, you cannot arrest him. He's a diplomat. So I told him, listen, you cannot be a diplomat and a terrorist. Either this guy is, is working for you as a UN employee or he's working for Hamas. And unfortunately what happened uh, in the last few decades that UNRWA chose to become a way for Hamas to build the infrastructure in Gaza. We revealed the documents. I'm, I'm very happy to see that most of the countries stopped the funding to UNRWA, but that's not enough. Stopping the funding is not enough. You need to shut down this operation. It's astounding, Ambassador, that a UN agency was actively aiding and abetting Hamas, a terrorist organization. And at the same time, we see travesties like that, but we also see a rise in global anti-Semitism. During your time at the UN, you fought back against both. Being here in Israel, seeing some of the world response in the aftermath of October 7th, number one, frustrating, of course, but number two, and I think part of it's what we're doing right now, our conversation, how can we fight back against this wave of anti-Israel disinformation? We, we have to fight back and to stand against evil. And, and we have a lot of yeah. friends, Christian friends, Jewish friends, even Muslim friends who stand with us. I get calls from my colleagues uh, from the Gulf countries asking me, when are you going to finish with those radicals? Because they understand it's a threat for all of us. But you know, I, I was shocked to see after October 7th, even before we reacted, even before we entered Gaza, to see demonstrations in New York City, yeah. in London. Why are they demonstrating? We, we were attacked. We had no provocation against Hamas. They came to our communities, butchered our families, raped our women, uh, and, and kidnapped uh, our families. So why people went to the streets? And I want to remind you, that was even before Israel reacted 
to, to the massacre. So th that's pure anti-Semitism and, and we have to call it. So people who are watching us and they see people demonstrating against Israel should understand that those people are standing with evil, standing with terror organization. And you've been going toe-to-toe, -to -toe. we've been watching you with certain media outlets and you've had some interviews where you've had to go back at these hosts who are again spreading, I would say, anti-Semitic uh, disinformation in many cases. Israel's on the ground now in Gaza, of course. It seems to me that the IDF has made great progress in this goal of crushing Hamas. What are your thoughts when you look out at this operation in Gaza right now, uh, the end game and the way things are going? First, uh, we're all praying for our boys and girls who are fighting in Gaza. Uh, my own son is over there, and uh, we, we're all praying for them. And they're doing an amazing job, Eric. You know, when I see them there, they are committed to fight evil. And they tell me, Danny, make sure that the prime minister will let us do or everything we have to do to finish the job. And, and we have to do it this time, because the enemies are watching us. The enemies in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, they are watching to see what will happen at the end. And there should be only one result for this war, which is full eradication of Hamas. And I tell my colleagues in the US, where they call us for a ceasefire, and I ask them, how can we have a ceasefire when we have hostages in the hands of Hamas, when Hamas is still in power in Gaza, so we have to be patient. It will take us longer and more time because we are fighting in a very sophisticated area, urban area with two million people. We don't want to have civilian casualties. We want to minimize it. It's very sophisticated, but we are committed to win. To some, it would almost seem an impossible job, Ambassador. Look, Israel must crush Hamas decisively and yet avoid civilian casualties in the most densely packed area in the world in Gaza hey, you're on the Foreign Affairs and Defense Subcommittee, the Intelligence Subcommittee, you're leading World Ecoud, you've got a lot going on, but your defense expertise, Ambassador, as a leading member of the Knesset, Intel, uh, Defense, Foreign Affairs, can Israel accomplish that goal of crushing Hamas? It's an ideology, of course, but I guess what does the day after look like? There's been a lot of talk of day after. You and I talked off camera. This is going to be a long campaign, but... To you, what does this look like going ahead, say, a few years from now? Ideally, what could Gaza look like post-Hamas? First of all, we have no choice but to defeat Hamas. Hamas is not an existential threat to Israel. We have to realize it. We have a stronger military, more capabilities. But the enemies, if they will see that we are weak, they will come against us. So we should not allow them to see it. They should learn a lesson from what happened on October 7th. All of our enemies. And that's why we have to go all the way and to eradicate Hamas completely. Regarding the day after, I hope that it will be similar to what happened uh, in Germany. You know, when the Allies got to win the war in Europe, they made sure that they uprooted all the Nazi ideology and they allowed Germany and Japan to become a, a modern society. Look where Germany and Japan yeah. today. So I, I wish that one day the people who live in Gaza will be able to live in a democracy yeah. with freedom. Uh, but in order for that to happen, the international community must insist that we uproot all the structure of hate, the culture yeah. of hate that you see today in Gaza. Hamas are modern-day Nazis, Ambassador, in my view. A denazification program there in Gaza where children as young as three, four years older are taught to hate Jews. When I think of Gaza, I think of October 7th, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, I think bigger on an ambassador, I think of the head of the snake in Tehran and the Iranian regime. I want to talk about them in a second, but let's move north. Hezbollah, perched on Israel's northern border, some 80,000 Israelis roughly evacuated from the northern communities. 
that seems to be a problem that needs to be dealt with. What should the approach be to Hezbollah and hopefully bringing those residents of the north back home? They will come home. There is no other choice. Uh, we cannot allow Hezbollah to be on the fence. Uh, that's something which... Literally on the fence. On the fence. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I take many dignitaries to tools to the yeah. south, to the north, and, and I show them. I show them Hezbollah terrorists on the fence from the communities. So I think there are two options. One, that the Hezbollah will realize that they have no choice and diplomatically they will move back or we will have to use force and push them back. So those are the two options and I, I think it's not, we don't have too much time. We cannot keep hundreds of thousands of people in hotels telling them you cannot go back home for now it's almost four months. We cannot allow it to stretch much longer. You know, Israel is on war footing right now, obviously, hundreds of thousands of reserves called up. So as you said, seems to be the time to make the move. Hezbollah's one piece, this Hamas, I mentioned Iran ambassador. The Iranian regime is basically the fount of all this regional terror. How can the world, not just Israel, this is a world problem. How can the world hold the Iranian regime accountable? So we have discussed it so many times, that yeah. the, Iran is controlling the, all those proxies in the region. And even the American troops, and, and I regret the loss of lives of, of the American troops, it was coming from Iran. You know, those militias get funding, training, uh, weapons from Tehran. So they use it to attack us, they use it to atta attack American uh, troops in the region. But we have to realize it, it all comes from Tehran. Look at what happened with the Houthis in Yemen. We have no conflict with Yemen. We have no border with Yemen. So why they are sending UAV to attack Israel? It's only because they get directions from Tehran. I think that the US, Israel, and other strong democracies should, should call it and say, we are gonna make sure Tehran will not continue with what they are doing. Yeah, I think this has really been exposed to the world again, how Israel is really the first line of defense for the West as well. And yet, Ambassador, we have Western diplomats uh, calling for a Palestinian state now, calling for basically the imposition of a Palestinian state, whether Israel likes it or not. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is this the time, uh, with October 7th fresh, obviously very fresh, is this the time already to be talking about a Palestinian state and going all in on that? Uh, I would invite those to come and visit Israel, to speak with the Israelis, and to realize that they are not connected to reality. Because unfortunately, the Palestinian Authority in Judea and Samaria, instead of condemning the attack and showing that they are different than Hamas, they did exactly the opposite, Eric. I was shocked. But until today, you cannot find one, even not one, condemnation from any senior official from the Palestinian Authority about what happened on October 7th in Israel. So with whom you want us to, to have any kind of agreement? Who's the partner for peace? And moreover, when you look at the population, polls show that 80 percent and that's really unfortunate. Eighty percent of the Palestinians in Judea and Samaria supported the massacre of October 7th. Eighty percent? Eighty percent. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, I don't realize how can they do that, yeah. you know, to see the brutality uh, of, of the radicals. Uh, and, and last point, you know that uh, the PA, they are paying salaries to terrorists. That's right. They are also paying now, as we speak, salaries to those terrorists who invaded our communities on October 7th. We arrested a few hundred of them, and their families are getting paid from Ramallah. So yes. with whom we, we should negotiate uh, peace now. Yeah. And this is the Palestinian authority of Mahmoud Abbas. This exactly. isn't Hamas you're talking That's about, Ambassador. That's the Palestinian authority in Ramallah, uh, which is headed by Mahmoud Abbas. 
In traveling around Israel over the last week, I've been struck, Ambassador, by the resilience and the unity. Can you talk about how Israel is united in this goal of crushing Hamas and ensuring that something like October 7th never happens again? And to that end, how can Israel make sure this never happens again? So, you know, we are a very strong democracy and we had a lot of arguments. But after October 7th, I think we learned a lesson that we have to be united. We have to stand together, left and, and right. And that's what we are doing today. We put the differences aside. We stand together, we support the troops, and I hope it will continue after the war. Because we are a yeah. small nation with so many challenges, we need that unity. It's uh, essential for our security. Uh, and we have to learn the lesson that uh, at the end of the day, uh, we have enemies who put all their energy, all their energy, in order to, uh, to attack us. And look yeah. what the Hamas did for 18 years. They used all the donations they received from the international community to build the tunnels, and to get the weapons to attack us. Yeah. And now when you look at the situation in Gaza, no one can blame Israel. You know, we left Gaza completely in yeah. 2005. Hamas took over and it became a, a base for terror. It's a battle of good versus evil. You, you defined it, Ambassador, very clearly. As you always did in the UN as well, you showed moral clarity. Uh, the United States, obviously, v verbally supportive uh, in the war so far. What would you like to see from the U.S. right now? Is Israel continues his campaign, a necessary campaign to crush Hamas, maybe facing a future conflict with Hezbollah? What would you like to see from the U.S. right now? First, we are grateful for the support. You know, we appreciate the support we receive at the U.N. in the Security Council. We appreciate the support we receive with the ammunition that is being sent to Israel. But I, I have one, you know, I'm very clear, you know me, for many of years. Of course. You cannot expect us to win uh, the war and tie our hands. You cannot expect us to win and tell us that's it. You have no time. Or don't use the Air Force. Uh, you cannot do that. When the US fought evil, and you fought evil yeah. after 9-11, you went against uh, Al-Qaeda, you went against ISIS, and you won. But in order to defeat evil, you have to be determined and go all the way. So we expect that the US will support us in this fight against evil and allow us to do whatever is necessary to win this fight. It's the only way forward, and again, uh, Israel is the first line of defense. These radical forces, Ambassador, that want to wipe Israel off the map also have a bullseye on the back of the United States. People really need to understand that. As you mentioned earlier, the Sunni Arab nations, the Abraham Accords nations, I think of Saudi Arabia as well, they respect the strong horse. And Israel in the region can be the strong horse. When the dust settles here, do you think Israel can be in a stronger position in the eyes of the world and that Sunni Arab nations and neighbors are even more attracted to Israel and saying, hey, this is a nation we need to align with. Eric, you came to Jerusalem when we signed the Abraham Accords and I think it will continue. We will see more countries joining the, the Abraham Accords and I'm optimistic about it. You know, now it's being delayed, but still they understand that we are fighting evil together. So I'm very optimistic about uh, the cooperation with the moderate Arab countries. Talk, if you can, as we close here, Ambassador, about Israel, despite these tough, perilous times, stepping into its role, you know, as a light unto the nations. Talk about that, if you can. And on a personal level, hey, you're a family man. Uh, you've served in many capacities representing Israel on the world stage. What motivates you and why do you do what you do? You know, I, I'm a believer. So every day I wake up, I, I thank God for uh, being here in Israel and serving my country that uh, I love so much. And I think we should not take it for granted. You know, what we have here 
You know, it's, it's a great country, by the way. It's safe, and I encourage people yeah. to come and visit us. I know many are praying for us, so they can come and even visit us. Um, and, I, and I know we should be grateful for what we have, but we should not take it for granted. That's what I told my, my son, who is an officer in the IDF. My girls would, you know, everybody's serving in the military in Israel. So my girls will finish high school, they go to the IDF also. So I tell them it's important to, to give back to your country. And, and what we saw here is a nation coming together. You know, I have friends who left their, their businesses for three months. Imagine you have a small business that you run a shop or a store, and, and you say, you know what, I close the store and I go to serve the country. So we salute to those people yeah. who are doing it, and we are grateful for that. Amazing to see. I mean, reservists, guys, hey, in their 40s with, with families, kids, jobs, careers. As you said, Ambassador, putting it all aside to defend the world's one and only Jewish state, just as you are uh, in the diplomatic realm and beyond. Ambassador Danny Danone, always great to have you. Thank you, and it's much nicer speaking with you here, not, you know, uh, via Zoom. Remotely or, or Zoom. Remotely, I was, yeah. I, you finished my thought. I said, I was going to say, especially in Jerusalem. Absolutely. God bless you. Thanks bless so much. You. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Ambassador Danny Danone for those great insights. Folks, if you like that interview, you want to see more like it. Remember, March 25th, our brand new show, Stacklebeck Tonight, launching on TBN, 7.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, twice per night. We'll be bringing you the on-the-ground perspective from the Middle East and beyond. Great guests, like Danny Danone. And as you may have been able to tell on today's newscast, we've got no shortage of topics to talk about in these prophetic Bible times that we are living in right now. This will be news from a biblical perspective coming March 25th on TBN Stacklebeck tonight. We'll have much more about it in the weeks to come and some important alerts about the new show. If you like The Watchmen, we think you will love Stacklebeck tonight. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Watchman. Until tomorrow, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.